Blog Talk Radio.
everybody. Welcome to, this is our Thursday night edition of Prayer International Radio. I'm your host for the night, Sean Holmberg. Our email address, if you need, if you have prayer requests, is prayerinternational at gmail.com. You can always visit us on our website, which is prayerinternational.org. So to start us off tonight, um, Father, let every word be used to glorify you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we submit this time with you. Lord, we submit it into your hand. Father, we kneel before your cross, surrendering our lives and everything that's in them. Father, that you can be glorified. Lord, knowing that we stand before you, not by our own works of righteousness, but by the grace we have through Jesus Christ. By his death and resurrection, Lord. Your word declares for us to come boldly to the throne of grace, in which we are accepted in a time of need. Lord, I ask that you would open the eyes the ears and the hearts of every believer listening, Father, to receive whatever it is that you have for them tonight. Father, that you would meet each one of them at the place of their need, Father, and reveal yourself to them. So Christmas time is quickly approaching toward us. Um, and I'm not really going to get into Christmas. Um, we could, but maybe uh, between now and um, the Christmas, when it actually becomes Christmas next week, we may do a Christmas show. Um, I have to admit, um, I'm sort of um, mixed on Christmas itself. And I, I say that not... Um, because there's two sides of me. There's two. There's a part of me where it's all about Jesus, and even growing up as a small child, Christmas to me wasn't so much about presents. Well, I mean, I liked getting presents. Don't get me wrong, but it wasn't so much about presents. And growing up, I learned it was, and some sometimes it, I considered it my date night with the Lord. It was um, me and Him spending time together. It wasn't necessarily about the the birth and of Jesus, um, but just the time of spending with him and thinking about him and dwelling upon him. And then there's the other part of me, which really doesn't like Christmas because it's um, so commercialized nowadays. It's all about buying and selling and getting and everything else. And to the extent that you lose sight of him and the whole process, um, and I, I want to preface tonight and with saying that I'm going to attempt to be as politically correct as possible. Well, I'm really not going to do that. Um, but I don't. I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea to get offended by anything I say. I'm just going to speak from my heart for a little bit because um, you know even churches. Um, with a spirit of goodwill and a spirit of wanting to do something 
for the kingdom of God and wanting to do something to advance the kingdom and to help people and can try so hard of making a show about what they're doing that you sort of get distracted from the actual purpose behind it. You know, there's many charities out there that talk about giving to the poor and helping the needy and things, and especially we think about it a lot toward times like Christmas when everybody's spending time with their families, um, even though it's something that should be a lifestyle and not a one-day-a-year action. And, you know, you can talk about, like, helping the poor and the needy, and then, but then you get up and you're like, okay, well, we're going to help the poor and needy on this day and sound the trumpets and raise the flags and tell all your friends and family we're going to help the poor on this day. Well, that's great, and it's good. The problem is, or my my problem with it is, well, what happens the rest of the year? What happens to the families and our communities and our cities and the neighborhoods and all over the world who are suffering all the other days besides Christmas time? And, you know, the world is an interesting place because there's us and there's them. There's those that have believed on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and there's those that haven't. And the Bible says we're new creations in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And if you pay attention to that verse, we are new creations in Christ Jesus. It says our citizenship is in heaven. Jesus said we're in the world, but we're not of the world. You know, we talked about this the other night. You know, Jesus said that we were in the world, and then he chose us out of the world. And now we're not of the world anymore, because now our identity doesn't rest in the world, or the governments of the world, or the social standings of the world, but our identity rests in the fact that we're children of the Most High God, that we're citizens of heaven. And we should conduct our time here on earth as such, and far too often we get caught up in the political stranglings and political fights and you know, social media fights and religious fights that don't, in the long run, profit anything. It's good to stand up for your opinions and your beliefs, but if you think about it, what good does it do to fight against a world that can't possibly comprehend a revelation that can only come through the Spirit of God? You know, when Jesus asked Peter who he thought he was, he said, you're Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood, the world, the things of this world, did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And you know, the Bible says the goodness of God leads men to repentance. It's not the works. It's not the actions, even though they glorify God. And they begin to point in the right direction. But what really moves men's hearts it's not the words we say, but it's the leading of the Holy Spirit upon their hearts and God turning them and turning their hearts toward him. Sometimes it's quick. Sometimes it takes an entire lifetime for some people. But we have our part. He has his part. And, you know, um, something that's been in the media today, you know, wanted to speak on it for just a minute was, 
you know, there's this whole thing about this TV show called Duck Dynasty, especially if you're in the United States. Um, Christian hillbilly family, that's the correct terminology, who believe in the Lord, who pray before every meal, something we don't even do, most Christians don't do nowadays anyway. And so one of the guys in the, in the family got up on a, a magazine, and he made some comment about how homosexuality was sin. And of course, you know, like the media always says and always will do, he was somewhat misquoted, and he said something to the effect of, um, hold on one second. There's no way I'm making it up for an hour-plus broadcast without my coffee. So he said something to the effect of, it starts off with this, and then it goes to this, this, and this. And, of course, immediately the the um, homosexual lesbian groups all over the United States went ballistic. But that's what they're expected to do is go ballistic. They're in the world. They act in the world. They're in the flesh. They act in the flesh. And I say that not to say, okay, horrible people, blah, blah, blah. You know, the Bible says sin is sin, and, you know, no sin is different than any others. Homosexuality is a sin, which is true. The Bible says it's a sin, and we believe the Bible is true. But at the same time, so is adultery. At the same time, so is lying to your neighbor. At the same time, so is idolatry. At the same time, is covetousness and faithful, faithlessness. And there's a verse in the Bible that says that anything that's not a faith is sin. You know, we we get too eager to cast stones and to point our fingers and you know all this um all these all these fights that have broken out over this subject in the last couple of days and, and if you really stop and think about it, granted it's a TV show on this Christian family and this guy was speaking his opinion and people are outraged that this guy is not on the show anymore, but if you think about it, it's a TV show. It's a 30-minute to an hour-long show, TV show, that's on TV. Um, and my only thought to it is, it's an hour of time, and there's 5 million other things that we could be doing as Christians to promote the advancement of the gospel outside of being upset that a TV show can't work the way we want it to. You know, you could pray, you could read your Bible, you could intercede, you could go talk to your neighbors about the Lord Jesus Christ, you could go into a hospital and pray for the sick, you can go into a jail and, and talk with prisoners, you could find an orphanage and help out young people. And, and it's it's interesting how people, especially Christians, and I, and I say that because we always Christians always point to the world and seem overly upset and shocked and almost offended that the world refuses to accept them. But like we've been talking about most of the week, you know, this isn't something that should be a shocker. It shouldn't be a surprise that the world hates you because Jesus said, if the world hates you, you know it hated me before it hated you. It says you're going to be reviled. You're going to be persecuted against it goes so Jesus went so far to say they'll throw you into prison because they think they're doing God a favor. And how we as a body of believers, and I speak to the whole church, can be offended 
that the world hates us and feel like some grave injustice has been done when the very fact that we're hated is one of the signs of being a Christian, of being opposite of the world, of not being a member of this world, of not being a citizen, uh, an earthly citizen, but being a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. There should be a stark difference between the children of the darkness and the children of light, and they're not going to get along, and they're not going to play together nicely. And, you know, that's just the way it is. We have beliefs. We have faith and a relationship with a God that the world can't possibly understand or conceive. The world can never understand. The world's never going to agree. And the world's never going to stop being the world. Jesus said, I'm not praying for the world, but I'm praying for those who you sent me. Who, who you sent me. I'm praying for not just those who you've given me, but the, any of those who come in the future. Anybody who believes on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we're supposed to pray for the world. But praying for the world and declaring the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is one thing. But the Bible says, Jesus told the disciples, if you walk into a town and they don't receive you, walk out. Shake the dust off your feet and go on. Because I guarantee you there's someone else out there somewhere who is hungry for the gospel. And I think one of the – I was talking to one of the guys at my work, and um, – An amazing opportunity. I'm sitting at work, and they all know that I'm a um, a pastor. They know we we do this radio show, and um, I never really had a chance to talk to this guy about the Lord or anything. And he asked me if I he asked me if it was true that I'm a pastor, and um, and I told him yes. And he said, well, and, and what was it? And, and he was asking me about um, about holidays and beliefs and. Christianity and how Christians believe this and how Christians believe that. And it was interesting that he was so open to hearing the gospel. I was able to sit there and talk about the entire gospel to him, go through, he asked things about the Jewish culture and how did how do we get from from the Jews to Jesus and how, and and I got to sit there and literally tell him the whole history of the gospel and the grace that came through the Lord and and one thing I noticed during that conversation and we talked about is the fact he asked about miracles and if you've listened to this show for any period of time you know that we'll pray for people who are sick and through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit, people have gotten healed. Not because of me, not because of Christ, because of Him, because of God, because of Jesus, because of the blood. Because of what His Word declares is true. It's true to me, believe it. And He was asking me about miracles, and He's like, well, those things don't happen anymore. Why don't we see them? And I had to explain to Him that we don't see them because people don't believe in them anymore. And especially um, if you grow up in places like America, where there's almost no faith for anything that you can't see, for the most part. And there's no hunger. It's like the the lamp that Jesus spoke about. This light 
or so the candle shouldn't be put under a basket, but it should be set up on a hill and that we're supposed to be the light of the world. It seems that light slowly, slowly is getting corrupted by the things around it, being overtaken by our desires and our cares for the world and for the things that the world has because we haven't realized to embrace the things that God has given us. And so the hunger that people have for the gospel, the hunger that people have for the word of God and for seeing his hand move across this world, you don't see that hunger as much in America as you see in some other places. Go to places in, some places in Africa, for example, where a family may not know if they're going to make it through the next week because there's going to be war, there's going to be hunger, there's going to be this, there's going to be that. You know, every minute they have is so much more important. When they reach out to the Lord, they do it in desperation. Because they don't have anything to distract them. They don't have anything that's more important than their eternal salvation because that eternal salvation could come any second. And, you know, I think a lot of times as Christians, we get so caught up in the things of the world, even though Jesus said, don't care about today, don't, I mean, don't worry about yesterday, don't worry about how you, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear, don't worry about the future. And over and over again, he's like, don't worry about this, don't worry, don't worry. And, and it's like you almost want to sit back and you look at the Gospels, and it's like Jesus continually having to say, silly children, whom your father loves so much, how is it you cannot understand believing? How could you not understand? As many times as I have told you, how could you still be afraid if you know who I am, if you know that I came from my father, how could you still fear what man can do to you? How can you still be afraid of the waves and the mountains and the storms? Because all those things are going to be there. How could you not have faith and trust? And how can you let the enemy so easily steal your peace? And he said, the peace I give you is not as the world gives you, but my peace I give you. And we let the enemy steal our peace so often because we get so caught up in everything but the word of God that we forget what the word of God says over our lives. And we make choices on moment by moment, moments, on a moment by moment basis to believe the world, to believe the thinking and the mindset of a world which is passing away instead of believing the eternal word of God. Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry, about the, don't worry about the future. But how often do we find ourselves caught up in worrying about bills? How often do we find ourselves caught up worrying about what other people think about us? Being afraid that we're going to offend the wrong person for declaring not our words, but what the Word of God declares. As if God needed someone to justify him. You see, you'll notice that God is not in a business in the business so much of having to justify himself to the nations. He justified himself once when he declared his word, and he's a God that does not change. He backed it up when he raised Jesus Christ from the dead.
Jesus said, destroy this temple, and in three days' time I will raise it up. And they couldn't understand it because they couldn't see, because they didn't have the right eyes. They didn't have the right ears. They were still blinded because of their pride, because of their desire to try to figure everything out, that they didn't want to just give it over to him, didn't want to enter in his children. You know, I look at my eight-year-old daughter and completely oblivious to anything that happens in the world. You know, I have a 14-year-old, I have a a 15-year-old, and I have an eight, uh, my oldest son just turned 18. And the oldest three, for the most part, I try to teach them about things in the world and to prepare them. Um, Completely oblivious to what's going on in the world around them. They don't know what disaster happened. They don't know who's in charge of this. They they know who the president is, but that's about it. They don't know about this controversy or this controversy or who's fighting this or who's fighting this. All they care about is loving the Lord and enjoying their life. And isn't that what Jesus said? He said, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly, not that I've come that you may have life and then fight everybody to make sure you get to have what I've already given you. Sometimes as Christians, we hold on so tightly to our ideas of the way we think things should be, the way we think things should plan out, that we miss out on God giving us the blessings that he wants us to have the blessings that we deserve, the blessings that are our inheritance. inheritance. I hope I said that right. Because the Bible says we have inheritance in Christ Jesus. We're co-heirs with him. He said you're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. But sometimes we, we hold on to our opinions about how we think God should let our lives be run, about what we think our future should look like, that we're not willing to listen to his voice to say, walk this direction or come over here because we're afraid because we don't trust him enough because we can't control it. So we have to hold on to some kind of remnant of control in our lives because it makes us feel more comfortable, I guess, but it really doesn't because in the long run it just brings more stress and fear. And someone once told me that when you're, God can never give you something when your hands are already full. And sometimes God just wants us to let go. Sometimes God wants us to just give it all away. Give it up. You have fears. You have worries. You have problems. They're always going to be there. They're not going to go away. The persecutions and tribulations that the disciples face in the Bible, some of us have not even come close to even being able to comprehend or imagine. Because we go, to ch- we go to church and someone says they don't like the song that was sung and they consider that persecution. Because they've never understood what it's like to confess the Lord Jesus Christ in front of the multitude and then the, second, the next minute be killed for it. 
there's so many people out in this world who have never heard the gospel. You know, it's the reason we have that verse on our website where it says that we continually talk about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ when literally half the world has never heard of the first. I mean, stop and think about it. Jesus said the gospel of this kingdom must be preached in all nations before the end could come. But in the decided society, the days we live in now, in this period of time and eternity, with all the technology we have, all the advancements we have, there is still half of the world who has never been told that Jesus died for their sins. Because we're too busy fighting over everything else. Trying to struggle up their ladder of social acceptance that we can be a church of convenience and not a church of truth. You can take the gospel and you can twist it any way you want to make it better for you. But that doesn't make it the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can argue about this and argue about that. But there are times are coming where people where people were going to say that if you believe this way, you're not a Christian. Because real Christians love everybody. Real Christians don't judge, and that's partially true. We're not supposed to judge because only he's the judge, and he was appointed to be judge over the living and the dead. But the fine line is when you take the word of God, declare that it's invalid because it doesn't meet your ideological viewpoints, and then declare, well, if you're a real Christian, then you you would believe that if love is all that matters. Which isn't true, because God said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And even though he said that, and he said that he's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance, doesn't mean that people aren't going to spend an eternity without him. He's not willful that any should perish. But not all things happen according to his will. He's not willing that any should perish, but some will. Not because he wanted it, but because they chose it. Some choose it because they don't want to enter into submission to anybody. Some because they just can't come. They're still Greek in their thinking, as it says in Corinthians, and can't comprehend it, so it can't be true. And some just out of ignorance, because they don't know the truth. And trust me, there's a world out there starving for redemption. There's a world out there that's starving for the gospel. There's a world out there that's starving for hope that can only come through the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you can drink from a million wells, but there's only one well you can drink out out of where you'll never thirst again. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to take a quick break, get into some worship, and we'll be right back.
your feet is where I wanna be. I'm home when I am here with you. Ruined by your grace and never by your gaze. I can't resist the tenderness of you.
Sing it from here.
says, here's what it says in the book of James, chapter 4. It says, what causes quarrels and causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you not suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he made to dwell in us? But he gives more grace. You know, when I um, first became a Christian, what seems like ages ago, I was still a kid in high school, and um, it was hard to understand how, or it was hard to understand why I couldn't live in the world, why I couldn't be a part of the world, have the same friends. Um, my actions started to change. You don't want to do the same things, but you know the, the connection that you have with the world fades away because you find um, over a period of time that you stop having anything in common with the world. You start having different desires, different dreams, different aspirations. You know, the, the fleshly side of us, the worldly side of us always desires the better things that the world has to offer, the better jobs, the better opportunities, the better lifestyles. But the Spirit of God that was in us seeks him. It seeks his face. It desires the closeness and intimacy of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it took a long time to realize in my own life that I couldn't have it both ways. That you can only spend time with so many people and when you have to throw God in the mix because you want to have a relationship with him, then something else has to go away. You can spend all day long watching TV. There's nothing wrong with that. But I can say that your relationship with God will suffer because it's less time you spend with him. You can have fun. You can go out and spend your whole life and never open up your Bible. But the end result of it will be a lack of knowledge about who he is, a lack of intimacy with him. You won't have the word of God dwelling in you, springing up into everlasting life. We have to make a choice as Christians on a daily basis, day to day, minute by minute, who we're going to serve. You know, the Bible says where a man's heart is, or there, where his money is, there his heart will be also. But it goes beyond his money, but even his time. The way you spend your time and the things that you give your time to will greatly declare what's important to you. Do you spend time with your family? And could you spend more with them? 
Um, do you spend 24 hours a day at work and neglect everything else? Do you talk about wanting to have a relationship with God? And, and I'm not talking about just knowing that there's a God. I'm talking about literally having an actual relationship with him, what the Bible declares we can have. Well, how much time do you devote to it? How much time do you really devote to him? Is it just a couple of fleeting thoughts every now and then? Is it you just go to church on whatever it's open? Or is he the actual pursuit of your life? Um, when you're a human like we are and you fall in love with another person, you pursue them, you run after them, you chase after them because they're the desire of your heart. And, you know, God sees us the same way where we're the desire of his heart and he can be the desire of ours. We can choose to make him the object of our affection, the pinnacle of our desires and the thing that we value the most of all. David said, one thing I have desired that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And considering the fact that the Bible declares that we're just dust, this life is but a fleeting vapor that's here one minute and gone the next. And we're already in God. And it says that God has placed eternity in the hearts of man. Where is our thoughts? Where is our attention? Is it on what the world can give us? Is it on being accepted in the world? Or is our desires to please the Lord? Is it our desire to serve him, to wait upon him, to just have a relationship with him? Someone said once that there's two types of Christians in the world. There's the first type which do things out of obligation. They have to serve, they have to work, because out of their work, out of their accomplishments for the gospel, out of the things they do for the Lord is where they find their identity. So do they, they do some things for the Lord out of an obligation, out of a need to be accepted by him, even though the Bible declares we're already accepted in the beloved. It says he has forever perfected those who are being sanctified. And there's the other type of Christians that live their life and they conduct their affairs on this earth in such a way to please him, not because they have to, but because they want to, but because it is the desire of their heart to give him glory and honor. It's the desire of their heart to spend time with him. It's the desire of their heart to hear his voice. Where the greatest thing isn't what you can say that you did, but whose voice that you were able to hear. That what you're remembered for is not that you did this or you did this or you did this, but is that you can literally say you were a friend of the Most High God, that you knew him, that you knew his face, that you sought his counsel, that you were you stood in covenant with him, which is what he wants, are people to stand in covenant with him, people to be friends with him. You know, all the rest of the stuff, the gifts and the works and the acts and the miracles, all that stuff comes 
you don't even have to try. You know, how miracles are so easy because Jesus said, or the, the Bible declares that the disciples went out preaching the gospel and the Holy Spirit was following, confirming the word with signs and wonders. You don't have to go after the miracles. You have to go after the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and the miracles come naturally. The supernatural workings and all those things are a byproduct and they're a fruit of your action and of your relationship with God. The fruit of a relationship with God is a transformed lifestyle. And that transformed lifestyle, the fruit of a transformed lifestyle, is that the desires of your heart begin to change. Where he said, he'll take out the stony heart and give you a heart of flesh. Give you a heart that desires to seek after him. Give you a heart that desires to serve him. Give you a heart that loves him. That cries out, Abba, Father, to him. Our first focus as a church should be him. And out of our desire to love him, out of our desire to have his heart, what will happen is then our hearts become transformed and then we'll have the compassion for the lost, we'll have the compassion for the hungry, we'll have the compassion for the needy. But that comes as a fruit of our relationship with him. Everything starts, everything begins, everything ends with him. All things exist, all things consist because of him. You know, I, I hate the expression where they, I see it on billboards and bulletins and even at churches where they proclaim Jesus is the reason for the season. And I, re I really don't like that slogan because my my opinion is, is that Jesus is the reason for existence. Every moment, every breath is because of him, is because of him, is because of him. Just present your body as a delivering sacrifice to the Lord, which is your reasonable service. Do not be transformed into the image into the image of this world. Or do not be conveyed into the image of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Father, Lord, we as a body, as your church, so often we run away from you to follow every other God and every other direction but you. Lord, as the time draws near and the trumpets soon will sound, Father, as there is a whole world out there in need of the gospel, in need of hearing your voice, Lord, I ask that you would change our hearts. Father, remove the things in our lives that don't please you, Father. Change our passions and our desires from what this world has to offer to what you have just being you your word declares that you are our exceedingly great reward 
make that statement. Make your words a reality in our hearts. That your word would dwell in our hearts, Father. That you would burn and etch. Write it upon our hearts to love you. Turn our eyes away from worthless things. And turn our eyes back to you. Turn our eyes back to your kingdom. Jesus, thank you for your blood that was shed for us, and not just for us, but for the entire world. Father, that you would make us examples of your love and compassion in this world. Lord, you declared that we are ambassadors of Christ ambassadors of reconciliation pleading on behalf of the world pleading on your behalf for the world to be reconciled he said you're not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance father that you would burn that into our hearts lord that we would not miss a single opportunity because of the cares of this world to share your love with the lost. Father, that we would not miss one opportunity to declare your goodness to the nations. Father, that we would be bold in our faith and our belief in you, Lord, that your word would become alive in us that we can be transformed as your word declares that from glory to glory we're being transformed into your image this has um, been prayer international radio if you need prayer for any reason please email us at prayerinternational at gmail.com we'll be back tomorrow night at 10 o'clock.